Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome to Christmas in July on every version ever. All this month, we're going to be looking at a whole bunch of versions of the Nutcracker, starting with an episode that I made last year for the Disney Movie Marathon with my friends Katie Fabric and Nikki from Trivial Theater. The reason we did this one last year was because when I started going through the Disney canon films as part of a series I was doing on Fantasia, Katie and I did an episode on the live-action Sorcerer's Apprentice, and this was years ago, I think 2018, and we briefly talked about the Nutcracker in the Four Realms as it had just recently released, but we didn't do a full podcast on it at the time. And in case anyone's not familiar, the Sorcerer's Apprentice and the Nutcracker Suite are two featured classical pieces in Fantasia, which is why they are relevant to that series. Then last year, when I launched the Disney Movie Marathon as a standalone alone podcast, I decided I needed to add this movie to our Fantasia series, so we got Nikki on board and we had a great time talking about it. A lot more fun than we had actually watching it, but we'll get into that in the episode. At some point after that I started thinking about more versions of the Nutcracker and thought maybe I should do a series on the story for the podcast, so that's what we're doing this month. We've got a bunch more versions coming, but I had to start by sharing the episode that started it all, so here's last year's podcast on the Nutcracker and the Four Realms with Katie and Nikki. All right. Does anyone have any initial thoughts before we get into the movie? <laughs> this is definitely not the Nutcracker. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I think I saw like maybe two actual Nutcrackers. I remember watching one when I was a kid. I don't remember much of it, but I don't remember it being anything like this movie. No, I meant actual nutcrackers like in this movie. Like if you were to take the whole thing of this movie, it really should have been called Toy Soldiers, not Nutcracker. <laughs> That's true. But yeah, I don't think that this was, I mean, they say it's based on the Nutcracker, the ballet, but I don't know how much they actually took from the ballet. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it sort of falls like with Star Wars movies, you have like Rogue One, say, until a certain point. You don't have any characters that are specifically in the original trilogy that are in this, but it has like allusions to people that are like the, I was looking at the trivia and the Marie that they mentioned was the original character in the Nutcracker. And then oh. at, one, at one point or another, I think when it became, I have to look it up here. Just give me one second. So the mother was the girl from the ballet. Okay, Maria or Marie is the name of the heroine in ETA's ETA Hoffman's original Nutcracker tale. She was renamed Clara and Alexander Dumas's adaptation on which the ballet is based. The movie's oh. heroine is Clara, uh. like the daughter of Marie, to kind of incorporate both entities, I guess. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So that's kind of how they bring the two together i guess it's kind of yeah so yeah i did not realize that i was thinking that they were going for an adaptation of the ballet and they just didn't really do a good job of it no this this <laughs> honestly feels more sequel like it kind of took got, everything with that, that description yeah yeah that's what i got from it at least but i wouldn't have known that had i not looked at the trivia so mm -hmm. yeah the movie does like assume you already know all the characters yeah, that's kind of how I was feeling. Like, there was not really an introduction to anybody. And because of that, I kind of didn't care about anybody in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I cared at the start, but... And I guess, like, a lot of these, and I know we're going to talk more about it later, but 
there's so much CGI that it does kind of, and I know that you kind of get into that whimsical realm. So mm-hmm. it becomes a little bit more okay. I can suspend disbelief going into this realm, but there's still just that it doesn't have that object permanence, or that's not even the right term. It doesn't have that weight that you'd want from something, you know, like a, you know, a mouse that's on, you know, the nutcracker shoulder and it's just like, it just kind of sits there. <laughs> there's no, there's no interaction. Mm. I guess. Yeah. Well, speaking of CGI, we can just jump right in here because that was like my very first note. The opening scene, it's basically like a CGI movie. It reminded me of the 09 Jim Carrey Christmas Carol. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) It was just extremely CGI. Oh yeah. This had a lot of like... um... Like Alice in Wonder, not the Alice in Wonderland, um, the Disney Alice movie with Johnny Depp mm-hmm. as the Mad Hatter. Yes, it was that. It had it had some when when she was moving between realms. Um, it kind of gave me or Chronicles of Narnia, but I kind of got lacked. that a little bit too. Not yeah. not it didn't have well again with the weight. Like it didn't feel. I don't know. I don't want to say like gravitas. Like it just didn't feel as important or cool as chronicles of narnia <laughs> yeah it lacked like, the charm I think. yeah yeah and again like i didn't know these characters so i really didn't care about anybody <laughs> like <laughs> for the most part i was kind of annoyed with a lot of these characters <laughs> so it stars mackenzie foy as clara stallbaum and i thought i didn't know her from anything but apparently she was in interstellar and she was also the voice of the little girl in the movie The Little Prince. So I have seen things she's been in, but it's been a while, so she would have been a kid. So that's why I didn't recognize her. That makes sense. I thought of the other thing that this reminds me of. <laughs> I don't know what this says, but Polar Express. <laughs> this at least had mostly real people, though. Polar Express, there's a lot of dead eyes. I don't like that movie <laughs> very much. I, I, I feel like I just talked about this with... Oh, wait a minute. I probably did because we I just recorded a podcast a couple days ago about the new Pinocchio, which is Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. He did Polar Express. And I know he's done other things that are really good. But for me, he's just kind of synonymous with dead eyes in CGI. <laughs> <laughs> At least this had a lot of real people. So it kind of made up for the very CGI that was in a bunch of it. But yeah, Polar Express is my least favorite of his stuff and i know there are people who love polar express my cousin loves polar express but i don't (laughs) i think it's like everything it's trying to see the good in something like that nostalgia of what you love from the book or from the other medias that this shows up in Mm -hmm. it could be i don't know if she watched or read the original book or not i just remember when polar express came out she really loved it and I remember watching and thinking, why? <laughs> <laughs> you also have Tom Sweet as her brother, Fritz. And I didn't recognize him from anything. I'm not sure he had that long of an IMDb page. He's a kid, so he probably hasn't been in a whole, whole lot for me to recognize him. And even though a lot of this stuff kind of felt forced like all the familial interactions it just kind of felt like it was trying too hard (laughs) (laughs) there was a couple things that i 
did like in here. Um, like I like Rube Goldberg machines, though that was kind of cool. And I loved her line when he asks if the mouse bites because she caught a mouse with a Rube Goldberg machine. And she says, I suppose they do if you're horrid to them. <laughs> 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 that cracked me up. And it feels very like something you would say as a joke in Victorian England. <laughs> yeah. I like the word horrid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, we definitely get some of those later on. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Their father is Matthew McFadden. And I, do, I didn't recognize him, but I looked up stuff that he's been in. And the big thing that I recognized was he played... Mr. Darcy in Pride and Prejudice with Kira Knightley, who is also in this movie later. And I haven't seen that yet, but it's on my list because hopefully next year I'm getting to Pride and Prejudice for every version ever. Nice. He's also in Death at a Funeral that is an interesting but incredibly funny movie. Like it's kind of <laughs> mm. a dark comedy, but it is hilarious. He was also in uh, Little Dorrit. And then her sister is Ellie Bamber. And I haven't seen her in anything, but she was in a version of Pride and Prejudice, the one that eventually we will talk about, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. We talked about doing that ages ago. <laughs> we'll get to it eventually. <laughs> you know, I, I and I don't know if she's British or not, but I would think that if you are a British actor worth your salt, you will have shown or shown up in some work of Dickens at some point in your life. Or sorry, some work <laughs> yeah. of Dickens or Jane Austen in yes. your life. Yeah. Sorry, I... Had a brain fart for a second. I apologize. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, all these interactions they have, they just seem like they're trying too hard to be emotional. And I was not emotional. <laughs> <laughs> not even when they got like their gifts and stuff. I mean, you know, Fritz got toy soldiers and, you know, they were awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny because, like, he was, like, hanging out with her and they were, like, best friends. But then, like, he was a jerk, like, for the rest of the movie. And I was like, I'm so confused. <laughs> it could have been just one of those little brother things. One minute they're your best friend, the next minute you're punching <laughs> each other in the face. <laughs> That's what this movie was honestly missing. Yeah. It would have felt more real, actually, if they would really gotten into a scrap. <laughs> But yeah, they all get presents from their mother who has passed away, and Clara gets a mechanical egg with a keyhole, and she can't open it. And she got a note along with it, everything you need is inside. I wonder what that could mean. Hmm. <laughs> Very cryptic. Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, we'll get to it, but the answer as to what it meant <laughs> was another thing where it's like, I'm not emotional at this. <laughs> <laughs> well and it's one of those things too where up front you you know you have to move your story along to keep engagement and to you know mm -hmm. get into the meat of the story but they could have taken a few more minutes to really yes. front load a little bit more and not that you want it you know handed to you on a platter mm -hmm. but there was something lost in translation yeah it just felt like it was going too quick like it was just exposition 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 and i just didn't care <laughs> So, yes, they go off to the Christmas party, and her godfather, Drosselmeyer, I can't remember his first name. I don't think we get one. Okay, well, 
He's played by Morgan Freeman. He's one of the big name actors from this movie, and he's not in it very much. I think they they got a few big name actors just so they could put them on the poster. <laughs> and he's one of them. So she goes to see him because he apparently made the egg and she wants to see if he can open it. But he can't. He doesn't have the key. And he says that he made it for her mother after she came to live with him after she was orphaned. And now I'm wondering, was that from the ballet? Because I didn't, that didn't sound familiar. I, it's been since I was a little kid that I saw Nutcracker. So I looked up a little bit about the actual ballet itself just to have a little bit of reference for it, but that didn't go into extreme detail as to what it was about. Mm -hmm. One of these days I need to like actually watch a proper version of the Nutcracker. I, I, <laughs> I toyed with the idea of doing it for every version ever, but from what I've heard, there's like no real good versions of it. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. It could be up to people's opinion, but I've heard that nobody's been able to make a proper good film version of it. Well, I can tell you this, as far as IMDb ratings, this one and the 93 one with Macaulay Culkin rated about the same. Um, <laughs> the Rotten Tomatoes one for this was only 35 or 39%. Uh, so take that how you will. <laughs> I don't always go with what Rotten Tomatoes says, but they usually have a decent metric as to the quality of a film i don't always yeah. agree sometimes i feel like they're way off but exactly and everyone's gonna have a different i mean you know not to not to not to tangent but you know a lot of the movies that i i know i kind of gravitate towards are definitely <laughs> not what you'd call um 100 on rotten tomatoes by any stretch but yeah you know, it it depends on what you're looking for in a movie. And I I mean, unless you get a nutcracker purist who could, not even a purist, but someone that's familiar with multiple varieties of roles, I don't know if you're going to find that, you know, that which version is really, really good. Because mm -hmm. there's so many that have just, I think people just, oh yeah, you know what, we're at that point in our studio's, uh, you know, legacy. Okay, let's, let's do nutcracker. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> well... Uh... I, I I was just going to say there's another one coming up, but I just realized, you know, that's Disney too, because I saw a teaser image of a logo for the hip hop nutcracker coming to Disney plus. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see if that's any better than this. Well, as the concept, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I mean, I will definitely watch it just to see what it's like. Oh yeah. At some point, she goes and finds her father at the party and he's upset because he wants to dance with her and her sister and she's <laughs> has disappeared. And this is another instance where ugh, the, the dad just annoyed me through most of this movie. The dad annoyed me. <laughs> he was sad. You're supposed to care about it because did you see his sad face? Yes. <laughs> Could you tell? I mean, he was, you know, he hit it really well. <laughs> I feel like even if we'd had just like five minutes of a flashback at the beginning of them together as a happy family, it might have made a little bit more of an impact than what we got. And I'm not sure what the like what the the thought process was going into the way that they started it. And obviously, unless you're in the writer's room as a fly on the wall, you're never going to know. But mm -hmm. I like the fact that they didn't spoon feed you, but it was a case of, OK, we need something. Yeah. <laughs> 
At some point, Drosselmeyer gives all of his guests gifts, and her brother gets a nutcracker, which he becomes very annoying with. (laughs) (laughs) It's your boyfriend! (laughs) I think that's supposed to be foreshadowing, because soon after this, she follows this string, and I'm not sure where the string came from. Like, did Drosselmeyer set it up? Was it left over from her mother? Did she imagine it? I don't know. Magic strings. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot that I didn't really understand about the land of the Nutcracker or (laughs) the Four Realms, I guess. (laughs) But at some point, I just chalked it up to like magic and I stopped questioning it, especially with the reveal that it's all inside a clock. So I I didn't really care after that, but I did wonder where that string came from. Who's putting candy in the clock is my question. Her mother. <laughs> she filled the clock with candy. You know, she wanted to surprise everybody, and then all the mice showed up. Um, <laughs> oh, that's where they came from. Yeah. They were eating the candy. <laughs> <laughs> I I do think, and I and I could be wrong on this, but um, at one point, um, after Drosselmeyer gives or Drosselmeyer gives Clara the the egg back, or they discuss it. He says, kind of under his breath, that she's going to have to find out what the thing is. So Mm -hmm. I do think that he was um, at least partially responsible for where the rope or where the the thread led. That could be, yeah. Because it leads inside the clock in the middle of his house. There's the little figure of him that goes around with the clock. Mm. He seems like a semi-magical kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. And I mean, he was basically her mother's adoptive father, so you'd think he would know something about the fact that she was off being a queen in a magical land <laughs> at some point during her life. <laughs> Honey, where did all the glitter come from? Oh, it was my coronation. <laughs> so yeah, she follows this string. She ends up in Nutcracker land, and she finds the key, but a mouse steals it. And she chases it over a bridge and finds a Nutcracker soldier who had a name, a very long name. It was Philip something. I don't remember. They call him Th- Captain the whole movie. Yeah. Through my, <laughs> through my notes, I just called him the Nutcracker. <laughs> but yes, for most of the movie, she called him Captain. And I think at some point he says, call me Philip. But then I don't remember if she calls him Philip after that or not. He calls him <laughs> Philip once, I think. Character gross. She should just call him honey, really. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it seemed like they were setting something up, especially the way that they met. She like she touched his cheek wonderingly, but I was like, (laughs) this guy looks dead. Why are you touching this obviously dead looking guy? (laughs) I like because he's a nutcracker. (laughs) I like how she walks through this magical portal. She finds herself in a frozen forest. She sees a guy just standing there in the snow. And she's like, aha, he must be a nutcracker. <laughs> <laughs> I need to caress his cheek. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy, I did not recognize. He only has a couple of credits. His name is, and I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this correctly or not, Jaden Fawara Knight. And the only thing that I recognized was he was in Ready Player One as boy playing tennis. <laughs> ah, standout role for anyone, you know, worth their acting chops. 
I mean, everybody's got to start somewhere. Yeah, uh, very true. Very true. So he comes to life and tells her that she's not allowed in the fourth realm because it's at war with the other realms. And the fourth realm is across the bridge where the mouse went. She introduces herself and he recognizes her as her mother's daughter and calls her your majesty. So she realizes, oh, I'm like a queen here. So she orders him to take her across the bridge. (laughs) (laughs) The best start to all relationships. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Yes. (laughs) And he has a horse named Jingles, who is also frozen. That's a pretty horse, but that's kind of it. Yeah, the horse doesn't do a whole lot. They set up the horse being a coward, and you're like, all right, time to pay off. And then the (laughs) the horse does nothing. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of true. We were supposed to look at it and go, yep, been there, horse. We've all had those (laughs) moments of being scared, laying in the snow, you know, asleep for however long. I didn't really get what was with them being frozen. Like, they're the only characters in this movie that are frozen, like, asleep. I didn't really know why. I mean, if you've been standing in the snow for that long, you'd probably be frozen and asleep, too. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose. I guess I was thinking it was supposed to be some sort of magical sleep. Uh, But, I, yeah, maybe they just fell asleep from exhaustion being there for so long. (laughs) (laughs) So they cross the bridge, and they enter the forest, which has one of the biggest Fantasia references other than the ballet later. It's full of mushrooms, which are a nod to the Chinese dance segment of the Nutcracker ballet segment of Fantasia. For a movie that was partially, very lightly inspired by Fantasia, there's not a whole lot of Fantasia imagery. I can only think of like three things right now, and they're very fleeting. So Clara sees the mouse, chases him, and the Nutcracker recognizes the mouse as Mouse Rinks. And I was wondering, is that the name of the mouse in the ballet? Because <laughs> I thought it was just like the Mouse King in the ballet. Okay, so let's see here. There is actually some background for it. Give me just two seconds. Okay, so Marie bakes up in her bed with her arm bandaged and tries to tell her parents about the battle between the mice and the dolls, but they don't believe her. Several days later, D- Drosselmeyer arrives with a nutcracker whose jaw has been fixed and tells Marie the story of Prince Perlipat and Madame Mouserinks, known as Queen of the Mice. Hmm. So there's a Queen of the Mice, and Mouserinks in this version is the King of the Mice. So there's okay. no King Mouserinks. Okay, so the Mouse King is the son of Madame Mouse Rinks, so I think they're probably just smashing those two together and just making it Mouse Rinks. Okay. It all makes sense, though. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Well, the character being the Mouse King makes sense when you find out more about him, because when she chases after him, the horse runs away. The nutcracker calls him a coward. So you get the sense that there's something more to this mouse than you know. And then Clara is attacked by what appears to be a creature based on a rat king. Which, do you guys know what a rat king is? Yeah, a king, a king of rats. <laughs> a rat king is a mythological creature that is a swarm of rats who are all tied together at the tail. Like a massive ball of 
swarming rats. That's terrifying. <laughs> yes. No, actually, it actually happens. It's actually real. Oh my god, those poor rats! <laughs> and then nice. they and then they get so good at moving together that they just move as one. It's terrifying, actually. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> okay, I've never heard of it being real. I thought this was like a mythological thing. Yeah, I've I think seen I've it seen in. One. I've seen it. In, you've seen one in real yeah. life. Well, not like in my own life. Thank goodness. But <laughs> I was going to say that would be the stuff of nightmares, right there. <laughs> it would. Which uh, that was one thing that I liked about this was that it was. I thought it was a clever twist on what I thought was a mythological creature by having it be a mouse king. Because I knew there's a character called the the Mouse King. But then having this thing based on a rat king, which is a swarming mass of mice who have shaped themselves into a giant mouse to attack people. <laughs> I thought that was a clever twist on the mouse king. So I have Googled it. They are real. Okay. It's I, horrible. I oh, I'm, I, yeah. I I'm afraid imagine. to look this up, but I'm <laughs> going to. Don't look it up. <laughs> Live in your peaceful world. Okay, well, at least looking at Wikipedia, it is real to a point. I think the mythological version that I've heard of is taking this phenomenon to an extreme. Like, this has, like, yeah. maybe ten mice that have all been stuck together by some sort of entangling material. But, like, the one that I was thinking of, the mythological one, is, like, a massive swarming ball of <laughs> thousands of rats. But either way, it would still be terrifying. <laughs> Someone got a full back tattoo of it. Of a of a rat of a, king? Yes. <laughs> Why? <laughs> uh, I will go to my go-to answer when it comes to questions of this gravity. Because reasons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Anyways, moving on from the rat king. <laughs> Katie, thank you, and I don't thank you for that. <laughs> I'm here to please. Oh, I, I appreciate that. I think. You're here to educate. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> if I have to live with that image, so do you. Uh, yeah, that's fair. During all this, they hear a disembodied voice calling Clara by name. And this voice says that she has her key and the nutcracker calls this voice mother ginger and they flee because apparently this mother ginger is evil, but you never see her at this point. She does have a gigantic statue nutcracker thing. Yeah. Of herself. Yep. Yeah. It was like a giant, uh, I don't want to say like a Harlequin doll because it wasn't quite that, but it was almost, and there are Harlequins inside of it. But yeah, it's like a clown woman. <laughs> <laughs> they make their way back to the city, or they make their way to the city where the Nutcracker is from, and they're stopped by what is like the Castle TSA or something. <laughs> 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 this, I, I liked these characters, but they did not fit. <laughs> they felt very out of place. These are played by... Two comedians, Jack Whitehall and I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce his name right, Omid Dejali, Dejalili. 
I'm, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but I recognized him. He was in the 1999 mummy. It almost felt like they were trying to do um, something like pirates of the Caribbean. Like the yeah. two, the two guys from that. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that, but I didn't like them. Like I liked the characters. In pirates <laughs> no. of the Caribbean. <laughs> and one of them didn't have an eye that popped out. So, I mean, that, that really was a strike against him really. Uh, yeah. They get to the castle finally after answering all these guys' questions. And her mother's portrait is hanging there. She was the queen. And they're met by three regents named Hawthorne, Shiver, and the Sugar Plum Fairy. And these are played by Eugenio Derbez as Hawthorne, Richard E. Grant as Shiver, and Kira Knightley as the Sugar Plum Fairy. And of course, I recognize Kira Knightley and Richard E. Grant. I didn't recognize Eugenio Derbez, but he does a lot of voice work, um, either regional dubs of American films or as Hispanic characters in American media. Ah. So I recognized a lot of things he'd done, but I just didn't recognize him. And of course, Richard E. Grant, he's done a ton of stuff, but I know him as the great intelligence in Doctor Who. <laughs> but he was also <laughs> in Rise of Skywalker. And he was in the series, a series of unfortunate events as the man with the beard, but no hair. And he played classic Loki in the Loki TV series. Oh, that was so, that was so good. <laughs> his, his costume was strange. He had icicles all over him and his fingers were icicles, which I didn't really care for. Yeah. I didn't recognize weird. him. I didn't recognize him because I couldn't see his face. <laughs> you really couldn't. I don't think I would have even known if I hadn't been looking up everybody as I made my notes. Well, don't you think, too, it seemed like they were playing the three regions plus Mother Ginger as, like, the four seasons just by color palette. And, like, um, Shiver had all the icicles and stuff. Um, Hawthorne oh, had a very, yeah. like, had, like, very, I'm thinking summer. Like, you know, he had the the kind of colors and such um sugar plum fairy was obviously pink like light pinks and purples and then um mother ginger was um you know kind of autumn colors you're right i didn't really even think of that because because the the regions of the land of flowers the land of snowflakes and the land of sweets and then mother ginger was the regent of the land of amusement so it's not quite seasons and i was thinking of them more as like adventure time lands <laughs> because kind you of have you have lands like those in Adventure Time, like even the land of sweets, there's the, the land of candy in Adventure Adventure Time. But seasons make sense, especially with the color palettes. Yeah. And I'm sure that the I'm sure I mean so many things took, you know, notes from the Nutcracker, including this movie. So mm -hmm. it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Kira Knightley as a sugar plum fairy. Oh boy. <laughs> this was kind of I thought it was a bit strange. She had a very breathy squeaky voice for most of it and her hair looked like cotton candy and at one point she's like eating her own hair oh my god that was so weird <laughs> it's just like the textures were completely off but because i was thinking like how did like her hair is so unkempt and then it's like oh yeah cotton candy <laughs> i liked how she pronounced banished because she said that mother ginger had been banished <laughs> <laughs> that cracked me up <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but just the way that she kind of operated things, you kind of saw what was coming, at least to some extent, from quite a ways away. Mm. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't remember if I figured it out the very first time I saw this, 
like what I watched this several years ago, like w- when it was in theaters, I watched it because I thought it was going to be great. And it wasn't, but, <laughs> <laughs> and so I forgot most of the movie because I was, I mean, it's kind of boring. <laughs> I remember that she was evil, but I don't remember if I figured that out the first time I watched it or not. She sounded like she was trying to be British, French, and Harley Quinn all at once. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't think of it that way, but she kind of was. Oh, that's an excellent evaluation of it, too. (laughs) (laughs) So proud of you. (laughs) I did see a uh, review of this when I was looking through stuff, and I don't know if it's going to come up here. Um. It was something like the idea that the Sugar Plum Fairy was evil would completely catch you off guard unless you watched, and they listed off a whole bunch of movies like Toy Story 3 and, (laughs) you know, all these other movies where this seemingly sweet, well-intentioned person is like, you know, the bad guy. Yeah, I think the the reason that I remembered easily that she was evil was because around that time, Disney was just like making all their villains surprise villains. Yeah. Quote, it kind of got old after a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't mind a surprise villain, but when you do it all the time, it's not a surprise anymore. Not really, no. You just pick out the most like sweet person. You're like, all right, you're the <laughs> evil one. <laughs> but then sometimes they surprise you and go, ha, you thought it was this person when actually it was this person. <laughs> So these regions ask for news of Clara's mother, and they're horrified to hear that she's died. And she tells them everything that's going on, chasing the mouse to get the key back, Mother Ginger. Hawthorne says that she must never go back to the land of amusements. And then the others are upset that he actually said the name, because apparently it's like Voldemort. You can't say (laughs) the land of amusements. The land that shall not be named. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It is now known only as the fourth realm. The art is formerly known as dot dot dot. <laughs> the realm formerly known as. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all expecting her to take the throne immediately. And she wants to go back, but they tell her that time runs very different here. And they take her to a room that looks like the inner workings of a clock because it is the inner workings of a clock. They are actually still at Drosselmeyer's palace or home or whatever he has. And they're just now very tiny. Their world is inside the clock and they look out and everything around them is moving extremely slow. So their time runs much slower than it does in their world. Wow. How convenient. Yes. (laughs) Never done before either. (laughs) Another... Chronicles of Narnia parallel there. Slightly, yes. Although I did like the the fact that the clock was inside, like brought them back inside the house. Yeah, that was not, that was different than Narnia. But even with that, and you discussed this before, how you really didn't have a reason to give a, a large amount of care about what was going on. And I think that lack of, you know, they tried to play up danger, but even at this point where they're talking about how dangerous this is, you never really get the reason as to the why. You don't ever yes. have feel like it. Part of that, I think, is because it was all a lie. True. <laughs> that does not help. Yeah. So Sugar Plum gives Claire a makeover, and then she is presented to the kingdom. 
and they then go to a ballet, which is the next very obvious Fantasia illusion, especially the beginning with the conductor. It's just basically an exact recreation of the conductor and orchestra in Fantasia. The colors are a little different, but it's still it's of an, the most obvious nod to Fantasia is right there. And this ballet tells the story of the Four Realms and how her mother discovered it, but I didn't really get how her mother discovered it. The main thing I got from the ballet was just like visual depictions of the land, which I liked the ballet, actually. And I kind of wish that the whole movie had been like the ballet. Yeah, it's like you're enjoying the ballet and then it's just like, oh, this is fun. And then you would cut back to Kira Knightley with her super squeaky voice and she'd be like, and this is what happened here and you're like shush it's like those people at the theater when they lean over and you're like i'm gonna explain this movie and you're like stop i just want to enjoy the movie <laughs> let me enjoy the ballet shoes <laughs> yeah it is kind of like that but yeah the the ballet i think is my favorite part of the whole movie it, it like it really was really well done and they had actual ballet dancers it was led by misty copeland who is a, apparently a ballet prodigy. I looked her up. She didn't start ballet until she was like 12 or 13, I believe. And she took to it immediately. And now she's like one of the best ballet dancers in the world. Wow. Nice. And then I really wasn't sure what was happening in the middle of the ballet because it looks like Clara is doing like a tour of the realms. Like, cause you have these sequences cut into the ballet but I, I was wondering, like, is that supposed to be her mother? Because the ballet was supposed to be the story of how her mother discovered the realms. And I really just wasn't sure what was what that was supposed to mean. Because it cut from the ballet to the scenes of the tour of the kingdom to back to the ballet. And, like, Clara is still in the clothes. So it's not like a different ballet. I, I wasn't sure. I thought it was cut weird. I think they were just... They're like, we're gonna montage through this. So they did it like at the same time, but it wasn't done well, so no. it was just confusing. <laughs> yeah. And this is where Sugar Plum eats her own hair because she's like so into the ballet. I mean, you know, if you are into something, I mean that that's kind of common practice amongst the proper <laughs> folks to eat your own hair. And at some point in there, she also has the line, Mother Ginger began this war. I hope you'll be the one who finishes it. Which is a very strange line, I think. And then Clara's just like, wait, what? And then like, they yes. just keep watching the ballet. Like, there was no, like, no, wait, please explain that to me. It's like, no, the ballet was beautiful. Yes. This, the, I kept thinking that, like, I need more explanation of why Mother Ginger is evil. Because, I mean, obviously you find out later that it's all a lie, but she didn't really come up with a good enough story as to why Mother Ginger was evil. I'm surprised she had so many people falling for it. Yeah, her her literal reasons were, trust me, bro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> like, listen, who has the high squeaky voice? What, you want to believe them? <laughs> That's true. Look at how perfectly coiffed my skirt is. Do you think, Can would you, would someone with this great of a skirt lie? I don't think so. Would someone who is made of literal cotton candy lie? Like at the end of the movie, you see uh, Mother Ginger, Ginger's uh, outfit choices. And maybe I would listen to uh, the Serga Plan Clary too. It's like, she's got good outfits. And then Mother Ginger's wearing whatever that was. 
Well, you know, she's circus folk. What do you expect? <laughs> it's made from, you know, half of a circus tent and I don't know, whatever, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> and then you get the big explanation of what's going on with this land because she tells Clara that once we were just toys, but then your mother arrived and gave us life because her mother invented this machine called the engine and the engine made us real creative name yes so basically her mother was a witch because this is not (laughs) science even though they try and play it as science this is not science her mother had magic well it's like it's like marvel how many you know science and magic cross over even though we don't have an extended universe to tell us that that is very true, but they really played up the science thing in this by having Clara interested in science and making inventions, and then her mother had been doing inventions. But then they say that this thing was an invention that turned all of these people alive and gave them sentience. That that is beyond science. <laughs> that is true. How else would you fit an entire civilization inside of a clock? Yes. <laughs> I, they should have just said that it was magic instead of trying to pretend it's science. So apparently this engine is the only way that they can defend themselves from Mother Ginger. And she wants to create an army with this engine. But without the key, the key from that egg, which is the same key to run the engine, they can't start it. So they have to go back to find Mother Ginger and get the key from her. I'm good. All I want is an army. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing suspicious here. Exactly. An army that only answers to me because I gave them life. And I know we're going to get to that, but some of her verbiage in talking about that toy army, it was kind of weird for a kid movie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of things about her that were kind of weird, but... That is true. But do you start or end with the fact that she ate her own hair? (laughs) (laughs) It starts with that and only gets weirder. True. So the next day, Clara dresses up like a soldier to lead a battalion of soldiers into the fourth realm. And all the soldiers are like freaking out because the fourth realm is covered in fog and nobody wants to go in. And she's like yelling at them and she goes (laughs) on ahead of them. And then they start getting sucked into the ground. So, like, they were right to be afraid. And the reason that they're getting sucked into the ground is because these mice are all swarming under the ground and digging holes and yanking people to their death. You know, for kids. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. At least I'm assuming that they died. It's okay, though. They're cute. Oh, they're adorable. (laughs) The mice are cute when you see their faces. (laughs) <laughs> Until then they turn into a giant swarm and then they're not so cute anymore. Not particularly. I, when, when I was looking up some stuff on the movie yesterday, I saw a quote. I think it was from Mackenzie Foy. She said something like, when she saw the first cut of the movie, she almost threw up because of the mice. <laughs> the swarm of mice. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so Claire also gets sucked into the ground and... The captain goes after her. So, if I may intervene for a second, that's the first time you've mentioned the Nutcracker since the bridge scene. <laughs> that's true. I mean, he he kind of was in here, but 
I don't remember if he did anything worth noting. He does nothing. <laughs> she orders him to stay with him. She's he's like, I'm gonna go back. And she's like, No, I'm gonna force you here because I guess I'm also forced here, so you have to suffer with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like you said, he didn't really do anything. Like I did not have him in my notes at all until this point. But yeah, he was there. He just wasn't <laughs> there. <laughs> the title character everyone yeah yeah <laughs> really this is like the the least important title character of most movies i'm sure there are <laughs> others but i can't think of any right now he's the title <laughs> character and he he's not the star of the movie but she gets taken to mother ginger who lives in a giant automaton clown woman thing that's like a circus tent with a clown on top that's supposed to be herself. I mean, respect. <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she gets tossed inside and finds a troop of Russian nesting clowns. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually kind of cool. I did. I did like how weird that was. <laughs> like all the stuff that I liked, most of it had to do with clowns. <laughs> I, I like. I, I like clowns. For the reason that everyone else hates them because they're weird and so kind of creepy <laughs> <laughs> i like that about clowns <laughs> and these were very weird because like i said they're russian nesting clowns and the, they literally nest inside each other like matryoshka dolls or however you say that those dolls that pop in half and there's another one inside except these are alive <laughs> Which, I don't know how that works, but it works for them. You definitely wouldn't want to be the smallest one. <laughs> or maybe you would, because you don't come in half. That is true. <laughs> but then can you imagine all the things, like all the smells and stuff you'd have to deal with being that far inside? You'd be pale as could be, because you'd never see light. You'd have to like strain to hear because you got that many layers of you know doll outside of you. Maybe they're like a hive mind. That is true. That is true. They kind of looked like a hive mind. <laughs> they kind of acted <laughs> like one, too. They all were very in sync. Anyways, inside this giant automaton thing, she's brought up to Mother Ginger, who is played by Dame Helen Mirren, another giant name for this movie. And I liked her design. I liked that she had a cracked face. It was like I liked her for the reasons that I like clowns. She was kind of weird and slightly creepy. <laughs> <laughs> one of the interesting trivia pieces on this too was at, at one point she pulls out a whip and like learned like learned how to use it, and that was to reflect a literal ginger snap. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a weird and obscure pun that nobody's gonna get unless you read the trivia. <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would have never gotten Ginger Snap because Mother Ginger's <laughs> weapon of choice is a whip. <laughs> yes. That, but you know, sometimes trivia in IMDb can be a little wonky, so there, that may not be true, but I'm, I am going to claim it as true just because it's a great pun. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so inside, she tells Mother Ginger that her mother has died, and Mother Ginger looks like she's genuinely sad about this. But then the Nutcracker gets into the automaton tent thing, and everything goes into chaos, and she grabs the key and runs. 
and Mother Ginger is yelling after her that the key is dangerous. And she tells the mouse that the girl is the key to their future and they have to get to the palace. Could I just say something real quick? And I know that this is, you wouldn't have a movie if they actually stopped speaking in like metaphors and so (laughs) obscurely. But why in movies like this, do they always speak so obscurely like, oh, you know, they, if you just said even something small, like you've been lied to, or, and I, I know that Clara has her own reasons for not believing her, but it's just simple things. Communication. Mm -hmm. It's a thing. Do an interpretive dance, something. Most of this movie would not have worked if people communicated like normal people. True. (laughs) I suppose that's why they live inside of a clock. Yeah. It's one of those things where I just had to stop questioning things because it's a magical, weird land. (laughs) True. Like, it's not even another dimension. It's just a magical land inside a clock. You think when, like, the maid goes to dust the clock, it's just like... (laughs) What's all this in here? <laughs> put all these flowers in there. Why is Someone's all this candy got, coming out? Someone's got a lot of secret admirers. What's with all these leaves and mice? Is there a nest in here? And I think we need to have this fumigated. Exactly. Just just toss the clock out. You know, Dulcemeyer has gone away. Let's just let's just toss the clock. It smells weird. <laughs> <laughs> smells like candy and mouse droppings. <laughs> By the way, have you seen Marie? Oh, that's that's how she passed. She was inside the <laughs> clock when it got tossed. <laughs> Once Clara gets far enough away, she wants to stop running because she wants to get her egg open. And it turns out it's just a music box, and she's upset because her mother's note said everything she needed was inside. And she gives the key to the Nutcracker and tells him to bring it to Sugar Plum because she's going home. She's so upset that she's just going to (laughs) leave. And he gives her a rousing speech about looking confident and her place is here and it's time to save the kingdom, so she stays. (laughs) It was very rousing. I felt inspired when he looked at her. With that deadpan face, it was like, no, you're you, so you should give the key. And she's like, oh my gosh, you're right. (laughs) That was something that I noticed about this movie. It's like, nobody had emotion. Like, every time something was supposed to be serious or sad, they all just were kind of deadpan, like you said. Except the dad who looks sad all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So they go back, they give the key to Sugar Plum, and she's crowing, Oh, finally, how long I've waited for this moment. Bring me the tin soldiers. Somebody says something like, You can't use tin soldiers. They're completely hollow. You don't know how they'll behave. They'll behave exactly as I want them to. A perfect soldier. And then the nutcracker just kind of like is like offended. <laughs> like, hang on a minute. <laughs> My entire not- lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I want to know why why they know that tin soldiers would be completely hollow and unpredictable or whatever they say and why are they different from whatever the other soldiers were because at one point they were all toys like that was the whole thing their mother brought them to life with with this invention so what makes them different than the to- the tin soldiers 
Might it be that, um, like, you know, if you're talking wooden toys, they have to have the internal wood to maintain everything. A, a toy soldier might just be like a cast, like an external cast. Like it's not solid. It's kind of like a chocolate bunny, like a hollow chocolate bunny. It could be, but the sugar plum fairy was a porcelain doll and porcelain dolls are hollow too. That she was actually fully porcelain? I, maybe I she's full know. of sand. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think it's one of those things that we're not supposed to question, but it is. it just makes sense to question She was it. full of lies. Yes, there you go. She was Fueled full of BS. By lies. Yes. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out why she why the engine was built. Reasons. Yeah, I like it. Okay, good. Moving on. Good enough answer for me. So Sugar Plum uses the machine and blows up all the tin soldiers to human size and sinisterly says, Hello, boys. <laughs> 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 and then she tells them to prepare to march on the fourth realm and claire is like my mother wouldn't have wanted this it's like this all <laughs> this all turned to 180 real quick so she's very obviously evil now she tells the soldiers to seize claire and the nutcracker and she's now says that she's mad because her mother abandoned them <laughs> it's like <laughs> She died. <laughs> <laughs> but she still left them. How selfish of her. <laughs> exactly. And then it's revealed that obviously Mother Ginger did nothing wrong. And she apparently has a special plan for her and all the other regents. She tells a guard to stand on the machine. And she turns him into a toy, which I think she's showing that she's going to turn everybody back into toys. And I'm like... If she's going to turn anybody into a toy who she doesn't like, who is she going to rule over? She's just going to rule over just the ten soldiers. <laughs> What's the point of this plan? But she loves a man in a uniform. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that was one of her weird <laughs> lines once they became real. But also, they're not men in uniforms. They're ten soldiers. Like she said herself, they're hollow. <laughs> They, they don't think they're just there you know what she just wants a good looking man she, she's already ha she's already done the whole like meaningful relationship thing she just wants a handsome guy like katie said a man in uniform <laughs> and literally the only that yeah yeah it's funny because she orders the guards to seize clara and then the normal guards grab her and then just like all the tin soldiers just throw the normal guards in a cell. You're like, how'd that work out for you guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, wish, I feel like she was just talking to the tin soldiers and the other soldiers were just confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, considering those two, I think that that pretty much shows you uh, their normal range of soldiers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're all locked up. They are all locked in this nice-ish looking attic thing with roof access, along with Hawthorne and Shiver, and all the soldiers are put in some kind of a dungeon thing. And Clara, for some reason, blames the Nutcracker and says, I wanted to go home, but you stopped me and I ruined everything. <laughs> Which is... I wanted to go home, and you did nothing <laughs> like you did in the entire movie. <laughs> if only you contributed. 
I mean, not wrong technically, but still, she's she's uh, projecting, which isn't good. Yeah, leave him alone. You ordered him to be here. It's kind of your fault. <laughs> well, typical typical leader pushing off responsibility on those underneath them. <laughs> she makes the best queen. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> We've only been at it for like, you know, a week on clock time. <laughs> if that. Mm-hmm. But this this blaming him attitude doesn't last very long because she opens the music box again and sees that they're a mirror. And it's like, everything you need is inside. It's me. And then she apologizes and says it's all her fault and she's going to fix it. So that didn't last very long. I kind of wanted a scene where they're fighting the tin soldiers and then she drops the egg and it pops open and he picks it up and looks at himself and he's like, it's all inside me. And then they turn and turn good. (laughs) But that didn't happen. (laughs) I mean, it would have made as much sense as some of the other things that happened in the movie. So they get a rope and escape off the roof and sneak back inside well, I, the mouse shows up again. He wants them to follow him. They go down a sewer. <laughs> and the sewer leads out of the other side of the castle, which is where a bunch of water wheels are turning in a waterfall. And she uses one of those water wheels to get under the castle back into the room with the engine. The Nutcracker doesn't go with him. He goes with the mouse to go find Mother Ginger. And he is met by the nesting clowns <laughs> and he walks the whole way he, if only he had a more convenient mode of transport like, like a horse what, what happened to jingles <laughs> but he gets to mother ginger and she says that they need to draw sugar plum to them and the camera pans meaningfully up her giant automaton woman <laughs> And back inside the engine room, Clara distracts the tin soldiers with a clockwork mouse while she goes to shut down the machine. Outside, the automaton woman has made her way towards the castle, and she's now fighting all the tin soldiers. And she's, like, bashing them with a tree that she yanked out of the ground. (laughs) And they're, they're like, crawling up her, and she's, like, falling like King Kong. (laughs) (laughs) You know she she's uh she moves pretty well for being stationary for what can be assumed to be a rather long time. Yeah, yeah. Well, she must have been keeping her oiled. Every day she climbs up the outside of the giant automaton woman and oils all the joints. <laughs> <laughs> Someday our time will come. Exactly. <laughs> and while all this is happening, the clowns have rolled into town and when the giant automaton woman falls down, the Nutcracker comes out and the Sugar Plum Fairy is demanding to know where Mother Ginger is. But apparently she was inside the nesting clowns. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm surprised she didn't like barf when she got out because those things were rolling around real fast. <laughs> Maybe there's a uh, gyroscopics inside the clowns. <laughs> okay, I can buy that. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, and then she's inside fighting them with a whip. Like you said, the ginger snap. (laughs) They should have made that more obvious and should have been like, I call this move the ginger snap. (laughs) I I would have laughed. (laughs) Like that would have been genuinely so corny. It was hilarious. (laughs) 
Like, I feel like that's what this movie was lacking. Like, genuine, like, corn. <laughs> I mean, I think that would have actually improved it. Because, like, for the most part, I was kind of bored through this movie. <laughs> and some corn would have really livened things up. At the very least, it would have given my eyes exercise from rolling. <laughs> that is true. But, you know, that's one thing about this. And I guess I, in my limited experience with the Nutcracker... I think that the Nutcracker is such a respected thing mm-hmm. to try and take it in that in that direction of funny. You'd get those people that would be like, oh, well, how dare you make fun of such a classic story? True, but I don't think that those kinds of people are going to be watching Disney's CGI fest version <laughs> with, a, not- with a giant mouse king that's made of actual mice. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with you on that, but they would still be the ones. I mean, look at any movie, any property that's come out and yeah. the people that are the most um, the the ones that are most vocal about it the are purists. the ones that. Yeah, they're the ones that that would probably never see it to start with. They probably yeah. have their favorite version, you know, on replay that they watch mm-hmm. once a week or whatever it might be. Yes. But I mean, that would be my thought on it. That is very true. One other kind of funny thing. <laughs> They put a Willem scream in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) I must have missed it. (laughs) One of the soldiers falls through one of the holes that the mice create. And it's just "Ah!" I mean that's that would be the way that would be the place to put one of those. (laughs) I mean, if you're gonna have a Wilhelm scream, then put it when the soldier is sucked into a mouse vortex. (laughs) Oh, definitely. I mean that is a traditional place for it to go. Maybe the censors came back and they're just like, no, this is too terrifying for children. And they're like, but what if? But what if? <laughs> so, yeah, there's a giant battle and a lot of horny dialogue. And the sugar plum fairy is yelling about her mother leaving her and leaving Clara as well. And Clara says, no, she left me everything I need. I'm not alone. We are not alone. (laughs) (laughs) And she's going to zap Mother Ginger in the machine to turn her back into a doll. But Clara has rigged the machine, so it turns on her instead. And she screams and turns into a porcelain doll, and all the soldiers fall dead for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, like the evil death ray. Like, like it slowly moves upward. She's like, oh, no. And then you, like, pan back to the slow movie Death Ray. She's like, no, not me. And you're like, just, like, I don't know. You have, like, many options here. You can jump off the platforms. She (laughs) can literally fly up in the air and zoom out the window. (laughs) No, I I guess she just saw her time had come. (laughs) She accepted her fate. (laughs) But yeah, she's defeated. Everyone's defeated. Yeah, like all the tin soldiers. It's like in uh, the prequel Star Wars where they destroyed the mothership, and so all the droids just fall over. Except it made more sense in Star Wars. <laughs> I wasn't really sure why all of these soldiers fell over because they weren't like the mothership has been destroyed. <laughs> yeah, Her but... signal stopped going out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I suppose, honest, like, like genuinely, since she brought them to life, like they obeyed her. My but assumption then why is, why didn't the entire village or the entire civilization collapse because her mother died? <laughs> because her mother I, brought all them to life. 
Um, I'm going to go with the reason that I always go to in grave matters such as this. Because reasons. It's science. Yes, exactly. Weird science. Magical science. Something. So everyone gets dolled up. Peace has been restored. The realms are reunited. Mother Ginger appoints the Nutcracker as captain of the guard. I guess Mother Ginger must be the queen now. I don't know. And <laughs> it the... was her plan all along. <laughs> I was rooting for Hawthorne to get it. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty queen-like. <laughs> hey, he I had like a his great quaff. <laughs> yeah, his flowery beard was great. Uh, there used to be a guy on Instagram. I don't. I've no. I haven't seen posts from him in ages. But I don't get on Instagram all the time, so maybe he's still posting. He used to like do his beard up and just put stuff in his beard, like he'd have a beard full of flowers or like little toys. <laughs> it was just a weird Instagram account, but it was entertaining to see what how he would decorate his beard, and that's who Hawthorne reminded me of. <laughs> <laughs> and also the the two comedians. I guess their names were the Harlequin and Cavalier. I didn't remember them being named that, but that's what Wikipedia said they were named. So they <laughs> they now have the post held by the Nutcracker guy, and they have been crammed into the box that he was sleeping in at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, why? <laughs> like, I know it was supposed to be funny, but it made no sense. Like, why did you give both of them the post meant for one person and why do they both have to be crammed into the hole that was meant for one person <laughs> and again i'm thinking way too deeply about this it was just supposed to be funny but like i said i didn't <laughs> think that they really fit like they were funny and they didn't really feel like they felt in like they were part of this world they were too comedic i guess well, you see, John, when it comes to grave matters such as these, I have one go-to thought. <laughs> <laughs> because reasons. <laughs> yes, yes. That explains everything. Oh, yeah. Maybe not this. <laughs> now that I think about it. So they have a sappy goodbye, and Claire goes home, and this... This is the one of my biggest questions about this movie, and it's the dumbest question, and it's not one that I don't think that anyone ever thought of. She sees Drosselmeyer, and they have this conversation about her mother, and he says that he one time asked her mother what her greatest creation was, and it was her. <laughs> and I was like, what about her other kids? Exactly. <laughs> well, she Claire is children. special. Clara is special. The other two, eh, whatever. You know, <laughs> she was the most like her mother, thus the best. Like, you just know that Morgan Freeman ruined the other kids' lives because she's going to hold that over her siblings' heads forever. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> I'm mother's best creation. <laughs> she said so. She liked me the best. <laughs> Bow to me, you plebeians. <laughs> Like, like she goes and dances with her father, and they're like, can we join? And it's like, no. <laughs> they just kind of <laughs> watch from the side. <laughs> I'm mother's greatest creation, and I say no. Well, and I'm thinking that she's probably middle child, too, because yeah. obviously Fritz looked younger and Louise looked 
relatively older. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like, I peaked. <laughs> yep. <laughs> then I had your brother, who has a weird obsession with nutcrackers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's basically where the film ends, that she has an emotionless reunion with her father that's supposed to be emotional, but I was not emotional. They look kind of <laughs> bored, and they hug and dance. And her egg plays apparently the very first song that your mother and I danced to. And then they all go back inside, and they all dance to the Nutcracker Suite. Aww. Aww, and I have to say, endings. I liked the music in this movie. Oh, but yeah. It That's was the probably Nutcracker the best. Suite, so. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's the end of the movie, but there's more in the credits because you have another ballet. And again, I liked this ballet more than the movie itself. Right. It was like the best part. I was yeah. Like- you get some more Fantasia nods with the colors and the conductor. And it's just, I, I really liked the ballet scenes. And I have to wonder, because they had a dancer who did sort of like a modern interpretation of the ballet. Um, I think, I couldn't find out for sure, but there was somebody credited called Charles Lil Buck Riley, who was credited (laughs) as the Mouse King, but like motion capture, but he's also a dancer. So I think that that might have been the person who was dancing during the end credits, not the one that was dancing with Misty Copeland, the other guy who had like a more modern dance style and he didn't wear the dance tights. He had like pants. I think (laughs) that that guy, I think that's who that was. And I'm wondering if he's going to be the star of this new hip hop nutcracker. (laughs) (laughs) Quite possibly. (laughs) He'd better. (laughs) I also thought it was interesting that over the end credits, you have Lang Lang on piano and Andrea Bocelli and his son Matteo doing the music over the end credits, which I thought that was kind of cool that they had like actual classical talented opera and piano musicians Mm -hmm. doing the music. And again, (laughs) that I liked that better than the whole movie, (laughs) like over the end (laughs) credits, (laughs) like this is great. (laughs) <laughs> I want more of this. <laughs> and the visuals on the end credits were very pretty too. Yes. Yeah. I thought that that's, that's where it excelled probably because it wasn't CGI and they actually used creative practical and lighting effects to do all that stuff. Oh yeah. But it looked really cool. Yeah. That's the Nutcracker and the Four Realms. <laughs> and the moral of the story was... Don't lose a key to a mouse. Don't listen to people who eat their own hair. (laughs) Dad is sad. (laughs) Oh, if you are the titular character of a movie, book, whatever kind of media, you best not be outshowed by some random chick named Clara. Yeah, he really didn't get much to do in this movie other than to just follow her around and do whatever she said silently. (laughs) The greatest scene that he was in was she yells at him and then she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And he's just like, well, nutcrackers are very loyal. And you're like, (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) And she's like, yes, you are. And he kept saying, I know my place. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's a weird line. (laughs) This is weird. (laughs) 
a funny thing is I went to go look after I watched the movie. I was like, I wonder if they sold a ton of like mouse plushes because the mouse was just there to be cute. And I'm just like, is that like a thing they wanted the kids all to go buy their mouse plush? And like, <laughs> they don't have them. They only made like six toys. And most of them are just different outfits of Clara's and like a few sugar plum fairies. And then there are no nutcracker, nut, no nutcrackers. <laughs> You cannot buy a Nutcracker anything. I'm just like, but he's technically the title character. <laughs> no? They didn't even sell a giant swarming plush mouse king? I know. Wow. <laughs> well, and you know, like those Disney, Disney aficionados, like if you sold a, a Nutcracker or Nutcracker line, like even just small ones, in a Disney store, in Disney World, in Disneyland, wherever... You know that those would have sold like hotcakes because Disney. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Funko ever did anything. Funko does everything. Yeah, Funko did one of Clara and one of the Sugar Plum Fairy. That's it? Yeah. They, yeah. Could, they, they Of all people, they should have done the Mouse King. <laughs> 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 well, does anybody have any final thoughts on the Nutcracker in the Four Realms? It left me never wanting to try a sugar plum. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a sugar plum. I've had a plum, but not whatever a sugar plum is. <laughs> I'm going to guess that whatever it is, it tastes like cotton candy and hate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we could probably wrap up this podcast there. <laughs> Do you guys want to let people know where they can find you if they want more from you? Nikki? Uh, you can find me on YouTube uh, at Trivial Theater. Um, I do a vast array of random, obscure, and straight up bad movie reviews. Um, also collabs with other people um, talking about different uh, movies. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Trivial Theater. Okay. Katie, do you want to let people know where they can find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Katie Draws Things, even though that may be a little bit of <laughs> false advertising, as I always forget to post. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your drawings are adorable. Oh, thank you. I try to post. I'll post, like, randomly when I'll be like, hey, guys, there's another Ninja Turtle movie. <laughs> <laughs> And like the Nutcracker, they come out semi-regularly, and they're actually well, more well put together than most of the Nutcracker movies. At least they know that who is the title characters, and they are in it sometimes. <laughs> you should do some Nutcracker fan art. <laughs> Hashtag more Nutcracker in my Nutcracker phone. <laughs> I was like, I was like weirdly like, I'm going to get really into the Nutcracker. I was like watching him behind the scenes, and I'm just like, yeah, he said a line. I was like, drink a water every single time he said something, and <laughs> I had water left by the time the movie was over. Oh no! So the Nutcracker stopped you from getting hydrated. <laughs> I know, Disney. I'm gonna sue. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> there was, like, a scene, and, like, 
they were expositioning about how she was going to find the key. And he's just like, you're going to go where? Like in the background, he would just like put his 10 cents in. And he's just like, but it's crazy. And you're just like, thank you for your great input. <laughs> it's dangerous over there. Yeah, you said that. Thanks. And he just like shook his head disapprovingly. And you're like, thank you. Thank you, Captain Philip. <laughs> Well, as I figured, it was a lot more fun talking about the movie than it was when I watched it. <laughs> so it's par for the course, then, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Which, I mean, I figured that that was what was going to happen, which is why I wanted you guys on here, because <laughs> it was. I, I figured that if I'm going to watch this movie that I thought I remembered being boring and I remembered correctly, then <laughs> I wanted at least the podcast to be fun. <laughs> So, thanks for joining me. We will have to have you back again sometime. So, we will see you soon. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for listening to every version ever. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or to our YouTube channel. Make sure to follow my co-hosts as well, and if you want more content from us, check out one of the other podcasts in the I Heart Movies Podcast Network, or check out my brand new Patreon. My link tree, as well as any other relevant links, will be in the description. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.